and real. And in this time, uh, July 3rd, 2011, at this place, uh, Lincoln and 3rd Street in Bloomington, Indiana, we believe that your presence is here uh, in a way that we can't, uh, in a sense, scientifically prove, but we believe it's true because we know you speak to us. So God, uh, would your spirit speak to us this morning? Would you give us ears to hear? Would you open up the eyes of our hearts so we can see uh, what your spirit is uh, teaching us and then give us the courage and the grace to respond? We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, uh, playing the what's, this is a what's next game. I have a new game every Sunday, not every Sunday, but all right. This, if, so those of you who maybe have been had uh, issues with mathematics when you were growing up. These kind of pattern things and SATs and those kind of things may cause you some degree of grief. What's next? I'll give you about 15 seconds. What are the next three numbers in that sequence? <laughs> all right, should be pretty simple. Here's the answer, 776, or if you, you know, 1776, all right. What's next? All right, what's the next three stars in that pattern? All right, it's red, blue, blue, white, red, blue, blue, white, red, blue, blue, white. All right, next. What's next? This is a little more challenging. Those of you who have math phobia are kind of starting to sweat right now. All right. Answer is, answer is, where's the answer? Six square seven, all right. You don't know you're, he didn't know you're going to get like math training when you're here or logical thinking. All right, a couple more. What's next? Red, white, blue, white, red, white, blue, white, red, white, blue. All right, answer? Red, white, blue. All right. This next one is a little more challenging. All right. What's next? You have, yes, there's multiple choice. You have the first four. What's the next square supposed to be? All right. We're trying to predict what's next based on what's happened. Anybody, anybody think they got it? You think you have it? What's that? Way on the top? That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the top right. Anybody think they have it? Well, other than my son, Mark, who saw it on the Internet last night, who's raising his hand. All right, the answer is E, and you'll notice they're all number. And it's one of those patterns you weren't looking for. You were probably all trying to figure out the right angle of this and that. and So you weren't looking for what's next, but it caught you off guard. And this next one is a real challenge. What's next? And if anybody gets this one, I may, I may take you to Little Zagreb, except my son, who also knows this one. <laughs> you got to think, think differently. I will give you a clue. Steph, oh, Stephanie has it. Don't, so you could, you, could, you could probably draw the next one in your head. All right, all right. Well, maybe, maybe Dairy Queen, not Little Zagreb. Sorry, too many people are raising their hands here. All right, I'll give you a clue. Think numbers. Think numbers. Numbers, numbers, numbers. You got it, too? All right. Think numbers. Think mirror. M-I-R-R-O-R. All right. Okay, answer is six. They're all mirror images of numbers. One, two, three, four, five, six. All right. And the problem is with some of these problems is you're thinking about a different, you're trying to find a pattern, you're trying to predict, and then somehow it comes out of, you know, out of left field and outside the box. Now, what, I wanna, what we're going to look at today and talk about today is how do you deal with the what's next in your own life? Because right now, it's what, June, July 3rd. Based on what we, you know it's what you think is going to happen in your life, 
you'd love to be able to predict what's, what your life's going to be like in one month, one year, five years, ten years. And it's, we wish, at least I do, I wish that life had a mathematical, logical pattern to it that we could predict, therefore we could prepare adequately for the prediction. The problem is God doesn't cooperate with that. Right? When you think you have your... When you think you have your life planned, when you think you know the pattern and the rhythm of the symbols, and you think you know what's next, God often comes in with a whole different way, uh, sometimes good, sometimes challenging, always good in the larger sense. But um, again, if you're like me, I was a math guy, I like logic. I'm assuming God should work this way, therefore I can predict what happens the next few steps of my life. Because if I can predict it, I'm in control. And if I'm in control, then yeah, I need God as kind of a friend and advisor, but I don't need to really trust him anymore, right? If I can predict what my life's going to be like, if I can predict my financial situation in two years, if I can predict my career situation in three years, if I can predict those things, if there's a pattern to it that I can recognize and predict, then I really don't need to trust God. I just need to kind of let the pattern unfold. Um, what we're going to do today is... Uh, actually, I'm going to talk a little bit from Scripture, and I'm going to talk to two different people about patterns in their life unfolding in ways that would, be, that would have been unpredictable to them. And my guess is there's some of you right now who, whatever's going on in your life, you wish you know what was happening in the next three dashes of your life. And there are some of you here who think you know what's happening in the next three dashes of your life but something else may intervene, interrupt, and change course. So how do we deal with life in that way? Um, we've been going through the Gospel of John. Go to the next slide here. This passage we looked at a few weeks ago, uh, maybe a few months ago, I can't remember exactly when, but I want to focus on a few parts of this. And then again, most of the time this morning, I'm be, it's going to be hearing a couple of people's stories as it relates to how do you deal with not knowing what's the next part of your own story, all right? This is Jesus, John chapter 10. He's talking to the people. This is one of the things, this is one of the, his little uh, talks that begin to get the Pharisees, the religious elite, they begin to get really upset with him. This was one of the, one more thing that kind of signed his own, own death warrant. So he was saying some radical things here. So I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. All right, he's, he's basically indicting the spiritual leaders of the time as leaders. So when you see shepherd, think leader. That's kind of what he's talking about. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, here's the key phrase here, he walks ahead of them. That Jesus, the shepherd, walks ahead of the sheep. The shepherd knows where he's going. The sheep don't know where they're going. The shepherd knows what's happening around the next turn. The sheep don't know that. Um, and that may sound familiar to your life or my life because we don't always know what's going on. He walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. All right? Three things real briefly from this passage, and then we'll hear the stories. Number one, we've heard this. If you've been to Exodus at all, you've heard this tons of times, and you'll hear it again and again. But you can recognize the voice of Jesus. The sheep recognize his voice. Jesus said, you can understand where I'm leading. You can pick out my voice. Um, I think I mentioned before that in Mideast cultures, 
they've actually done studies and they can tell the sheep do recognize the, the specific shepherd's voice and they will only respond to that voice. So we can recognize the voice of Jesus. It's not a weird thing in one sense, but it's weird in one sense that we're people who can hear God, all right? Second thing in this passage that your story matters. Jesus knows your name. It says he calls the sheep by name. So there's nobody in here who has a story which your name often represents that Jesus doesn't know. He knows what's been happening in your life, good, bad, ugly. He knows uh, more than your story than you even know, but he knows your story. You're not just one of many. You're somebody that he knows your name. And he knows what you're struggling with right now. He knows what you're joyful about. He knows what you're frustrated about. He knows what you're depressed about. He knows what you're sad about. He knows your story, not just today, but all the way back. And the last thing, which we're going to focus on today, is he knows what's next. You know, the, the shepherd walks ahead of his sheep. Um, some of you, some of us, have very pretty predictable things of what's next in life. Some of you have had things happen lately, health, financial, or whatever, where what's next really is up for grabs as far as you understand. And you don't know what to do with that. Um, the shepherd walks ahead of them. He walks ahead of them. What I want to do today, I'm going to interview two people. Both of them, one of them you have got to know in the last few months. The other one you're just getting to know. But first I'm going to ask Jeremy Clark to come up here. Uh, Jeremy is the guy you've seen up front uh, leading music. And just this last week, we actually offered him, and he accepted the part-time position of being the lead worshiper for Exodus Church. So a little round of applause for Jeremy. Why don't you have a seat? Um, now, just so you know, when we... Uh, if you're familiar with Exodus, uh, the end of February was Lucas Allen's last Sunday in this role. Again, it's a part-time role, but it's a key role because it's part of, you know, worship is part of what we do, and we love doing it well. And so um, then a new story started for Exodus where we're trying to figure, okay, God, what's next now? And some of you were part of conversations we had of trying to figure out who's going to lead, who's going to lead. And you can't really advertise for a part-time job, so to speak, because nobody's going to move to Bloomington for 10 hours a week um, and that kind of thing. Not, not, not most people, maybe. So, so anyway... Um, so long story short, Jeremy's here, and he's going to be filling this role for us. But I want, to I want you to get to know him, so I'm going to ask a little bit of questions about his story because my guess is four months ago he had no idea he'd be sitting here. I and mean, that probably wasn't even one of 20 options you would have considered that was even a possible thing on his screen because he didn't know what the next couple blanks. Maybe you had guesses of what the blanks might look like. So um, in terms of your own story, why don't you just kind of, again, this will be looking to know you, what... Tell us a little about just Washington, Indiana. When Jeremy said, when Dan said Jeremy's from Washington, some of you may have thought Washington, D.C. No, he's not commuting that long, all right? Washington, Indiana, which is an hour and a half from here. Technically, it's Washington, Davies County. Okay. So it would be Washington, D.C. D.C., Davies County. Okay. 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 Different kind of D.C. So, uh, just give us uh, kind of the highlights of your story growing up to start with, kind of the, and where, where God intersected that and where that fit in. So I'm going to start with that, and then we'll go from there in terms of how you got here. Um, grew up Washington, Indiana, and have uh, three siblings, uh, an older half-sister, older half-brother, and a twin brother. And yes, 
for some reason, when someone when I say I have a twin brother, like you have a twin brother, like, I just told you I did. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't think I'm like, you caught me. You caught me yeah, alive. No. Yeah. Um, so, uh, grew up in a single uh, family, single parent home. Uh, my mom raised all four of us on her own, and um, grew up in the West End of Washington, which is the um, not favorable end of Washington to grow up uh, in. But um, I, ever since I can remember, uh, my mom took us to church when we were growing up, and I would imagine with four kids raising them on their own, she probably just needed some alone time every now and then with not mm. four kids screaming all the time. So sitting inside a church service is probably a good break for her uh, every now and then. So, um, But ever since I can remember, uh, we were growing up in church, and um, kind of the defining moment for me from a very young age was um, because I didn't have a father um, and growing up and having to deal with all the complications that come with that, um, I heard the pastor, or we called it Reverend, uh, the church I grew up in. Um, you, you can call me that, I by can, the way. Reverend. Yeah. yeah. Just, just kidding. <laughs> I was thinking about calling you the Archbishop of Canterbury. No, that's okay. okay. That's okay. All right. That's okay. Um, anyway, so I remember when I was just, uh, with just a little guy, I remember the pastor saying, um, God wants to be a father to the fatherless. And I immediately, at a very young age, remember going, I want that because I didn't have a father. Um, and so from a very young age, I can remember um, the first time ever leading worship, um, I was about eight, and I stood up in front of a bunch of adults and said, turn to page 249 and stand on the last verse for the pastor's prayer. Wow. I had no idea what that meant. I just knew I was supposed to say that at that time. Um, so I kind of got involved with church real, real young um, and just continually started to fall in love with mm. Jesus the older I got because um, it started with the relationship of him being my father who supplies what I need. Huh. Um, and so that developed as I became to know who Jesus was and how that, what that looked like for my life. Okay, so even then he knew your name. He called you by name, yes. in a sense, and you're following him to kind of what you understood him to lead. And then uh, next year, you leave Washington and college for a few years. Yes. Uh -huh. I attended Lincoln Christian College and St. Louis Christian College. Um, and then both schools increased their price. And so I couldn't afford it anymore. So that was, uh, as many of you are like, yeah, I hear that. So um, after that. So at this point in your life, what did you think? Where did, you th where did you think Jesus was leading you? Did you have your own little fill in the blanks? Did you have a guess of what you thought you were going to be doing? Um, I knew it was going to be somewhere in the line of ministry okay. uh, because uh, 18 years old, I was going to be a photojournalist, um, had all that lined out, uh, and then at a Christ in Youth conference, God was like, just kidding. You're going to work for me for the rest of your life, okay. um, which was which was kind of uh, eye-opening. So your first pattern fill-in was photojournalism, and then yes, the guy's like, uh -huh. no, that's the wrong answer. Yes, okay. right, right. Yes. Not the wrong answer, but okay. So that's what you're thinking then, and then uh, college years passed you, and then the last three years you've been in Arizona. I've been, I've been in Arizona, in Pine Top. Uh, I moved out to um, White River, Arizona, and worked as a year for a missionary with uh, White Mountain Apache Reservation, um, and lived out there uh, on the reservation, which if you'd like to hear some crazy stories sometime, I've got quite a few of them from living out uh, on the reservation. Uh, and then for the past two and a half years, I've been leading worship at a, a church plant in Arizona, which is only about 
15 minutes from where I was living at on the reservation. Okay, so you're out there, um, I guess somewhat content, enjoying what you're doing, and then you sense Jesus leading you back to the 474 area code, whatever, back this way. Talk about yes. how that happened. How did you yes. sense God was leading? How did skywriting voice, voice in the middle of the night, or what, what made you think that God was leading it you was back? It was an airplane dragging a banner. No, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and at this time, he knew nothing about this opportunity. That wasn't right, even part right. of the... It wasn't on the radar. Yeah. So, um, about, about a year ago, really, really felt like through conversations having with my mom, um, and knowing um, that literally all of my family um, is back in Washington. Uh, I was the only person that was not in Washington in my family. Um, and so starting to look at going, I really miss my family. Um, I'd missed three straight Thanksgivings and three straight Christmas time activities and really started to, to go, man, you know, maybe I need to be back there and um, spend some time praying about that. And uh, my twin brother, uh, he has two kids, and so I have two, two nephews, two awesome nephews. Um, I'm a little biased, though, on the awesome part. <laughs> but uh, two nephews, and my brother is, is not a Christian. Um, and so my two nephews, they're not being taught about Christ. And in the process of growing up and, and being raised in a single-parent home, my aunts and my relatives were really, really big influence on me and taught me about faith and showing me who Christ was. And so I spent some time praying and came to the realization, this is a good time for me to go back and do that and be that for them. Um, and that was just a sense you had from, I mean, that's kind of, you, you just had peace about that? Obviously it wasn't yeah. skywriting or a banner, but you no, just felt like was, that God was like, that's it. That's you it. know, it's one of those things where um, when everyone asked me, so what are you doing back home? I would be like, I don't know. That's not really a sufficient answer, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, to, for everyone and, and logic and how people think, I don't know to, to pack up your entire life and move back to your hometown. Um, you get a lot of crazy looks, first of yeah. all. But then when your answer is, I don't know what I'm going to be doing, it makes it even more crazy. Well, so. and, my, and my guess is some of you have made decisions where you felt like God was behind it, and somebody then said, well, so what are you going to do next, or what's that, why that, or whatever, and your answer was, I don't know. I just think God wants me to. And, and you know the look of people of, Ugh. you know, you're, something wrong with you because you should have a little more, plan. you know, you should know what's in the blanks, the next three slots. You should know what symbol goes next. And you're like, I don't know. I'm at the last symbol. I have no idea what right. the next one is. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Um, I knew that uh, my mom is, you know, in raising four kids and working three jobs at a time, her health is starting to catch up with her uh, and not in a good way. And so it was kind of the coupling of that um, to say, I would rather be back in Washington and back in Indiana when I have the chance to, as opposed to in five years being called back because of something happening health-wise. And so um, those two things, you know, honor yeah. your mother and father and you'll live a long life on this earth. And so kind okay. of kind of felt like those two co combinations of things was just, uh, it was the icing on the cake, and what God was trying to tell me was, was what I needed to do. Okay, so Jesus is going out ahead of you. You, you have no, you have a general sense of where, but you have no idea what's, you don't know what's going to be around the turn. You don't know if there's going to be right. wolves around there, good grass, bad grass, whatever. Probably cornfields. Cornfields, yeah, right. you know, there's going to be cornfields yeah. back here. Yeah. 
And no more dry, hot weather. Back no, to the hot, world of no. humid, hot weather. Yeah, yeah, it's a wet heat here. Yeah, it's yeah, a wet right, heat. Yeah, 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 we, yeah, we appreciate that. Yeah. So, so you come back here and no job on the horizon, nothing, no sure thing. Um, and then, how did you first hear about this? Why don't you kind of talk about that and how did how did that kind of navigate through? Well, uh, ironically enough, the uh, the connection happened through the wonderful world of Facebook. Yeah. Um, God uses Facebook. It's now. amazing how that works. Um, Jesus goes ahead of you on Facebook. Yes. He, he chooses your friends. Yes. <laughs> Zuckerberg had no idea it was going to turn into this, but yeah. God used it. So, um, the weekend or the Friday before Easter, which is Good Friday, anyway, um, I posted as my Facebook status uh, my last Easter here in Arizona. Um, excited, but I'll miss it. And then uh, some. Some weird guy that I had worked with previously uh, named Dan Hendricks, um, he sent me an email and said, hey, I saw on your Facebook that you were moving back to Indiana and so wanted to know what you were doing and, you know, what, you know what's, what's going on. Yeah. And so explained, I, I sent back an email and I said, hey, um, doing good, good to hear from you and uh, just moving back to be closer to family and uh, applying at as many churches as I can find because there's not a lot of churches hiring worship leaders. Um, so, yeah. at that time, did you, when you saw Dan's Facebook back, were you like, nah, whatever, maybe? Or was it, were you more hopeful, or was it just like one, one piece of data that was just... Well, um, I, I used to be a pretty heavy part of the Hendricks family when we lived in Washington. Okay. When they lived in Washington, and I lived in Washington, and so it was just good to finally get to hear back from them, because I had moved out to Arizona, and we'd kind of lost touch. So, uh, whenever he contacted me, I just I was like, oh, cool, i got to reconnect with, with okay. Dan and Pam. So. so, you had, again, so you had no idea before, you, even just until that Facebook, you had no idea this might even be a possibility. So, again, it's one of those times where sometimes Jesus goes ahead of us. And he knows what's three months out around the bend. We have no idea what's three months out behind the, around the bend. And, um, but in your case, Jesus did, obviously. And in the sense of conversations we've had and following, and then here you are. Yeah. So um, really grateful to have you here. I am, and I think everybody else is too, who have to know you. And uh, it's like Dan mentioned, Jeremy, he's, you're, he's still, Jeremy's still living in Washington. Maybe... Don't hold that against me. Though. Yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> You need your passport to go visit him. Just right. kidding. Um, no, but you may be moving to Bloomington, maybe, and hopefully in the next couple of months we're still trying to f help figure out that and stuff like that. So, but you will be seeing, seeing a lot of Jeremy at least on Sunday morning and encourage you to get to know him. He's got a, um, three things that have impressed me about Jeremy is, uh, number one, off the chart for me is an important thing is humility. Second is energy. And third is skill. Not, not necessarily there two in some order. Don't say, Matt doesn't think I'm skilled. I'm not saying that. But there's a humility and energy about him and a skilledness in terms of his leadership and musicianship that uh, I really enjoy. So make sure you get the chance to know Jeremy and take him out for lunch and uh, just get to know him because he's going to be a part of us hopefully for a while. So thanks, Jeremy. Let me, and let me have uh, Dan come up here. Um, and, and Dan's story is obviously, the, you know, intersects here. I'm, I was a geometry teacher at one time, so I always think about geometry symbols. But it's just interesting how some of these stories have intersected. And again, there's ways in which your story in your life, God has intersections planned that you have no idea what they're going to be. Um, 
So Dan, why don't you, and I want Dan's kind of, I want him to back up a story a little bit. I don't want her to start with Facebook. But um, back up your story a little bit as to what, you were, what your last ministry role was and how it ended. Okay. Well, if I could go back even before that. I For was, those who don't know, Dan started here in February. Yeah. Just a few months ago. Um, back in the in 90s and all the way into 2003, I was back at my home church. Pam and I lived there in Evansville, Indiana. I was there for 13 years. Felt God calling me to be a lead pastor and so moved to a church in Washington, took a position there, and um, was there and thought thought was going to be there for a long time. Uh, it ended up being a very trying uh, time, a trying position uh, for me. And um, kind of uh, for the first time in my life, I'd always had God calling me to do things, I'd never had God calling me to stop doing something, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and some things changed. It, it was just, it's kind of a hurtful situation, but it kind of ended with God saying, you know what, uh, you've done what I've called you to do, your time here's done, which was hard to accept because, it, like you're saying, then I'm like, well, what's next? And he's like, well, don't worry about what's next, I'll take care of that. And you're like, but I've got a wife and kids, I've yeah, got to know so what's I next. Like, I, I don't know what that means exactly. So I stepped away from a position there, and I didn't have any, I didn't have any answers. I didn't know where I would be, what I would do. Um, had a friend that worked for a company called Trimble. Um, I got a job with them, kind of started doing the corporate world thing for uh, a couple of years. And it, it, funny thing, Pam and I had talked about before when we about desiring to be in Bloomington at some point, but we could never figure out how that would work, if that makes sense. That, this is like 15, 20 years ago, but like never could connect the dots to figure out how it would work. So anyway, there was nothing really keeping me in Washington anymore because I was working for a company and kind of had a home office and would have to travel some. So uh, we decided to move up here to Bloomington because her family is from there. And hey, let me just stop you for a second. I want to rewind for a second. I'm, I'm stuck on something here in a good way. Yeah. You, le- you said you, you left the job not knowing what was happening the next few. I mean, how, what did that feel like for you uh, stepping away? Do you feel like it was God calling you to step away? I mean, Jesus was leading you somewhere, but there wasn't like another paycheck around the corner, at least immediately in your knowledge. And you did yeah. have a wife and four kids right. and you want to feel somewhat like you're providing for uh, your family. So what, say, what did that feel like? Uh, if I didn't say it was terrifying, I would be lying to you because it was huh. kind of terrifying. And so um, I had a f- few weeks of pay vacation and you know so I was like well I got some weeks here to figure it out but I clearly knew God was just saying I've got something else for you you're done here and did you ever want God just to fill in the little symbols and the blanks there so you knew exactly what it was which was like I didn't quite understand like why it ended the way it ended and what's next so yeah it was kind of it was a little terrifying there to know that um and the, that, the, I could always feel like the clock's ticking. You know what I mean? It was like I've got some, yeah. I've got a few weeks of paychecks, but I need to find something quickly. Did, and did, I kind of left kind of uh, a little cynical about church. Not, not cynical about who God is, but cynical about church and the way that they work. And just why does it have to be so complicated and ugly sometimes? Yeah. So, Churches are uh, really goofy and so are pastors. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I, I started working this secular job. Uh, we moved to Bloomington, sold our house, moved here, and really thought, okay, God, this is what I'm going to be doing. This is just it. I'm this, is, be, this is what's next in the sequence. This is what's next. I just, I'll do it, retire, you know, 
Star, I, I, circle, square. Star, circle, yeah, square. Yeah, it was, was the pattern. Gonna, <laughs> I was just like, that's what people did. I worked with people. They had jobs. They did them for, you know, until they yeah. were 62 and a half and retired and got Social Security and thought, well, that's what I'll do. We'll move here in Bloomington. We'll do that. And, okay, I'm good. Okay. You know, like, thanks, God, for your faithfulness. God, I'm in a good place now, so I'm good to go. Uh, the pattern switches on. It's going to, Yes, you know, that's what out. I thought. Okay, so then... With your story, now how, tell, talk about your story intersected with Exodus. How did that intersection happen? Then we'll talk about the Jeremy well, intersection. Well, uh, we were going to another church. Didn't feel like that, that was a place for us to be, so we were looking around. Uh, someone had mentioned Exodus. I went home, checked it out on the website, and uh, we ended up coming one Sunday. I think we were sitting somewhere about where we're sitting. We walk in and picked up a piece of paper, and Pam says, oh, looky here. They're looking for a pastor position. She said, looky? Just she probably said, looky here. That's probably what she said, yeah, quote. She probably yeah. said, looky here. Uh, yeah. um, but anyway, so I remember sitting there, and she shows it to me, and I'm like, hmm, okay. But I'm not really interested in that because I'm kind of doing my corporate world thing now because God set that up, and that's what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. So, and then you were here for a few well, more weeks. Well, then months. I decided, hey, I ought to go invite Matt to lunch and get to know him. And so we started kind of having lunch every few weeks or so yeah. and kind of had this friendship and and he would talk about some of the things or may, I don't know if I want to use the word struggles but just you know I know how ministry w would be and so yeah. we'd sit there and talk and I felt like wow this, this, I got this cool role I get to sit here and Matt and I can have this friendship and I can try to maybe provide answers or insight or encouragement and I kind of thought that was my role. Hmm. And all this while we were doing a search to fill this role and so we had our perception of what the square and triangle and yeah. star was going to look like. Yeah, and you and, and I had never ever talked about that. And we hadn't talked about that. About that. So position. it was, and we were getting frustrated because the squares and the stars and the circles weren't filling in the blanks for us. Yes. We were, we were, we, God wasn't, God wasn't finishing the pattern for us in the way we thought it was going to be finished. So anyway, then one morning Dan asked me for breakfast, and he said, "I think I might be interested in this position." And uh, yeah. Also, the same time, the job that I was having, they started going through some big restructuring, and I started kind of seeing the writing on the wall, like, mm, I don't know if, I, if that's what I really want to do or didn't like the changes. Uh, at one time, they wanted me to move to Colorado. I didn't want to move to Colorado, so wasn't started seeing yeah. some things shift there. So anyway, we had lunch, breakfast, or? Breakfast at the Panera yeah, Bread. And, yeah. and I, I just said, hey, Matt, well, tell me about this this role you're looking for. Let's talk about that. So it was the first time. And okay. I think at the same time, some things had happened. Yeah, our, 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 our God wasn't filling the blanks in correctly from our point yeah. of view, and so we had to kind of start the pattern over. We were looking for certain patterns, and God was using numbers, and we didn't know it kind of thing, one of those things like that. Right. So then you're here. You've been here since February, and Dan's been a part of the conversation about how do we find somebody for this role, and uh, both with hit levels of kind of frustration, kind of like, okay, God, yeah, we, we with this finding just, a, you know. a, yeah, finding a worship leader. So I think we talked to everyone that we knew, and then th that didn't pan out or yeah. go anywhere. And so, and so then, we, then God uses Facebook, yeah, and makes that connection. Jer mm -hmm. And then Jeremy's here, and then I, I want to kind of uh, fast forward or back up whatever to about four weeks ago on a Sunday morning. It was Jeremy's first Sunday leading here. And that time he was just leading just because we didn't know him. We wanted to check, check out what it was like. And it, we thought it went really, really well. But where were you, I want you to talk about your experience that Sunday morning because you've, when you've told that, it always kind of it, it moves me in a sense. Yeah. Because it I, wasn't just about, woohoo, Jeremy's here. There was other right. things going on well, about. 
I knew I knew Jeremy. I, I kind of knew how he could lead. I kind of really thought that that might work well here. You know, no one else. I didn't really knew him other you know than Pam. I felt a little bit like I was sticking my neck out a little bit. You know, you start a new job and a new role, and you kind of recommend someone, and you're like, well, what if he's really bad? You know, yeah. and then people think, well, that Dan Hendricks, he doesn't know anything. So there's a little bit of that going on. But then when worship started for me, uh, I told Matt it was it was really emotional, like. I mean, I love, I love worship, I love singing, but I just couldn't, there's, I couldn't sing really, I would just stop. And um, it, was, it was really like um, a, a lot of God's faithfulness and his fulfillment just was, was kind of hitting me on several levels. Uh, one personally just on, um, you know, God bringing me from a situation, kind of a hurtful situation. To cynical, now, cynical, cynical, hurtful. To now being here in Bloomington, feeling like I'm involved in a, a great church and a great situation and very thankful for that and n- never dreaming that I couldn't have written it up that way, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so that part. Um, the other side of it was um, I, I, the, after Lucas left, I mean, we had, we had some people fill in, and I appreciated all them filling in, leading. We had some musicians that stepped up. But it really was kind of a temporary thing, and at times it wasn't always easy. I mean, I don't think that's a fair assessment. Uh, and maybe if you're just showing up on Sunday and watching it, maybe you thought, well, I never knew that. But, you know, it, it just wasn't ever simple. I, no. I used the analogy. It was kind of like riding a bike uphill, you know, and you're, you're riding uphill, and you're riding it uphill, and it's okay, but you're really looking for some point to get to the top of the hill because... Uh, you want to coast. Yeah, and so Matt had kind of, my, my role with the musicians and the worship team was kind of just to be there, be the point person. Sometimes it felt like I was the encourager. Sometimes it felt like when they were like, when are we getting a worship leader? Or, you know, it just doesn't seem like it's going real well. And I was like, just hang in there, hang in there. You know, it's going to be okay. And it just took like a lot of emotional energy, you know, to do yeah. that. And so the first week Jeremy was here and sang, it was just like God just revealing his faithfulness and it was just really emotional for me just to go, you know, wow, God, I shouldn't have, I don't know why I doubt you because you continue to amaze me over and over and over. And, um, yeah, you, you know, we've been through this transition and maybe you could call it a valley. I don't know how you want to refer to it, but I could see, you know, God's fulfillment or at least felt like I was seeing it. And it just, it was just powerful. It was very okay. powerful. It's kind of neat how God filled in all the what's next, not just in you, but kind of through you and things like that. So, Yeah, because I kind of like to know what's next. But I've also kind of learned that to never be surprised because yeah. as soon as I think I know what's next, God completely changes it. and um, But it ends up being better than what I could have scripted myself. So. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this last one, I, I'm just real briefly, because you know both these stories, Jeremy's story and Dan's story, have some degree of a, if I can use the word, happy ending, kind of uh, not fairy tale. I'm not saying fairy tale, but things worked out well. And as we're talking here, and I hope he doesn't mind that I'm going to say this, two rows back from Dan is uh, Jason Lanham. Jason, just raise your hand up here. Jason's been diagnosed recently with leukemia. So Jason and others maybe who have similar kind of not really nice things happening are thinking, well, my story may not end up happily ever after. And Jason's wife, Amy, is probably thinking the same thing. You know, we, 
we don't know if there's a possibility for that kind of ending here in that kind of happiness. Um, but the same is true for Jason, that Jesus is going ahead. Jesus is going ahead of Amy. And there's probably times you wish God would fill in even part of a blank. Um, but you don't know what the pattern's going to be like. You don't really know what to expect. But it, it doesn't look, in the worldly sense, it doesn't look hopeful in that sense. So, and there may be others of you, I, like I said, I'm not picking on Jason. I didn't ask Jason to sit there to get, but I just, as we're talking, I thought, you know, there are people here who, your story right now maybe is painful or maybe sad. And uh, you don't even know if there's a possible, you don't know if there's any possible way God might make it, turn it around. Um, and in Jason's case, I mean, I'm not to be overly more, but there's a pretty high, there's a low healing rate of what he has. I'm not trying to be more, but it's just the reality of kind of life. And yes, Jesus can heal, but yes, Jesus doesn't always heal for reasons we don't understand. So who knows what the next few blanks of the Lanham family life journey will be like. But they can be absolutely confident that Jesus knows their name and that he goes ahead of you. And he's going to lead you to the valley of the shadow of the death. And, but we can fear no evil. So whatever your story is, and your story may end up in a real positive way, in that kind of positive way, but it may also end up in a positive way like Jason and Amy's will end up, because no matter what, no matter what happens physically or earthly, there's a, there's a, you know, God does arrange things for good, not uh, in good in a large way. And so... Um, I'm actually close, and I'm just going to. I'm going to. I'll just. I'm going to just close a minute, and um, and then we'll take communion. But uh, let me pray. Jesus, we are grateful that you go ahead of us, and that um, you are advance. You're like our advance guy. Um, not just for us, because you know where you're taking us, and we are grateful for the ways in which you have gone ahead, and have led Dan and Jeremy in their stories, um, and we're grateful for how you are and will be leading Jason and Amy, as well as others here who may be traveling through what could be a pretty painful story, or at least sad, and, and Jesus, you know where you're leading them, and your promise is, uh, is for joy. Your promise, Jesus, even just a few verses past this passage, your promise is that you will lead us into an abundant kind of life, that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you come to give an abundant kind of life. And so, specifically for Jason and Amy, I pray for abundance of life. And uh, for all of us, whether we're encountering uh, encouraging stories right now in our lives or we're in encountering pain or suffering or sadness. Uh, in both those stories, we believe, Jesus, you provide abundance of joy. And that's what sets us apart, is that we have your joy within us. No matter what our story takes us, no matter where you lead us, uh, that joy is ours to have. And you've promised that. And so we're asking you uh, to be faithful to your promise, and we know you are. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. We uh, finish every Sunday at Exodus with communion, and uh, we do it because 
Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me and remember what I came to do, remember what I said, remember my, what my death and resurrection will accomplish. And right now what we're going to remember is that Jesus is ahead of us. Jesus will lead you. And when you take this bread and this juice into your body, you're essentially acknowledging, I'm going to go where you lead me because I trust where you lead me, that I trust you're ahead of me. I trust that as I follow you, whether you turn right or left, even though I can't see around the corner, Jesus, you can. And I'm going to let you fill in the next couple blanks of my life as I follow you. I'm not going to try to force my life into a pattern that I think is the American dream or whatever dream, but I'm going to follow you. So that's what, we, that's what we're doing. Uh, anybody's welcome at the table who would say, I trust Jesus. Uh, perfection is not the standard. It's the, it's the will and the intent to do whatever Jesus asked you to do. So let me pray, and then we'll take communion. And how we do it at Exodus is, as we start saying, you're just invited to come on up. There'll be people at the rows serving you. Some, uh, they'll offer you bread, just tear it off. And they'll offer you a cup and just dip it in the cup. Don't try to drink it, just dip it in there. Most people take it where they're standing. Some of you take it back to your seats. You can do whatever. There's no prescribed protocol there. So let me pray. Jesus, we are grateful that you gave yourself for us. And even in the passage in John 10, you talk about the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And we can trust you, we can follow your voice, and we can recognize your voice, and we trust you because you gave your life for us. So we know that you're taking us in a really good, abundant pasture. And so thank you, Jesus. And we ask this all in your name. Amen.